on this episode of Fantasy NFL Today. This is it. The big show. Well, it's the big show. Dun, dun. That's a little WWF for all you 1990s kids that are listening to this show. This is the show that you've all been waiting for all week long. It's officially week two. We have Stardom Sit'em, which we hit at a high success rate last week. We have my top picks of the week against the spread for all you betters out there. We had a rough start to week one, but I'm feeling really good about this week. And finally, we'll wrap it up with the boss man's picks. The most knowledgeable man I know in the business You won't want to miss what he has to say or anything else on this week's segment of Lock It Up. And it all starts now. Welcome to Fantasy NFL Today, presented by HoopBall. Today is Friday, September 17th. I am your host, Anthony Germain, and you can find me on Twitter at the Talking Sunday handle. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Talking Sunday, all one word on Twitter. And we have a great, another great Friday show for you as we head into another weekend of NFL regular season, week two. And what a battle between the two slops last night between the New York football giants and the Washington football team. Two of my recommended starters with running back Antonio Gibson and Saquon Barkley finished with underwhelming starts. Barkley ripped off a nice 41-yard run, but outside of that, just nothing. There was nothing there. I wanted something bigger from Barkley last night. But I wouldn't panic with Barkley yet if you own him on any of your teams. Do not even think about trading him. He faced two of the most stout defenses in the league between the Denver Broncos and the Washington football team. But next week, next week, he gets the Atlanta Falcons. And we just saw what the Eagles did to Atlanta last week in week one. Absolutely shredded them. So hold tight. I think the Barkley acquisition will pay off bigly next week. So again, don't panic. Just wait and hold on tight. Antonio Gibson, in my eyes, was the real disappointment last night here. I had Gibson as a top five play for not just that game, but for the entire weekend. And he didn't finish much better than Barkley. In fact, his counterpart, J.D. McKissick, stole the whole show in the passing game. And that had to be tough for all Gibson owners to watch. He had 93 all-purpose yards and one touchdown, you know, and after we heard all summer long about how Antonio Gibson was supposed to be the next Christian McCaffrey because Ron Rivera coached Christian McCaffrey and, oh my God, he's going to get the Christian McCaffrey workload. It just didn't happen. And now clearly, as we can all see, it's a lie. It's either a lie, well, it's either a lie or Antonio Gibson is dealing with an injury. This injury in his shoulder is a little more severe than maybe we, we all think it is. But nonetheless... Big disappointment night for Antonio Gibson. My other three top starters for the night were Terry McLaurin for the Washington football team, who had an absolute phenomenal night. I think he had a career high in catches. He went for 11 grabs, 107 yards, and one touchdown. Just an absolute stellar night out of McLaurin. Obviously, you work on a bench him. Kenny Galladay, who only finished with 38 yards, but the targets were there. And that's really what we want in fantasy, right? You just want a high-volume, consistent target rate from your wide receiver. 
and Daniel Jones threw it his way eight times. He just didn't come down with it. And, you know, Galladay had the second most targets of the receivers on that team. So, you know, just unfortunate that he couldn't capitalize in the moment. And my last recommendation for the Thursday night game was wide receiver Sterling Shepard, who also had a pretty big night with nine catches for 94 yards. So overall, not a bad night from the fantasy world or, or the, the projected starters that we threw in there. But man, both these teams are bad. They're bad. Just bad in-game decision-making. Too many penalties. Players screaming on the sidelines at each other. I'm telling you right now. I've been saying it for a while. Nobody wants to listen. But I'm telling you right now that this division is going to come down between the Dallas Cowboys or the Philadelphia Eagles. The Giants are in an absolute tailspin with dysfunction. And the longer the season plays out, I don't care what you think about Taylor Heineke right now. Taylor Heineke will become exposed and the downright awful. He stinks. I know everyone is enamored with him right now, but you know deep down, he can't play. He cannot play. I said it all summer long. I couldn't believe that the Washington football team wasn't in any, any serious quarterback acquisition talks. They weren't in the Deshaun Watson talks, and I know Deshaun Watson, you know, all his off-the-field issues, and now we know he pro he's most likely not going to play this year, and who knows about the future. But they weren't even involved in the talks before the accusations came out. They didn't even try to move up and get a quarterback. Nothing. The only thing they did was settle for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and so far, it hasn't been a good move. It's coming back to bite them in the ass. So again, it's going to come down between the Cowboys or the Eagles, and you all wrote the Eagles off. I heard a lot of people, oh, four-win team, four wins max. That's what I heard. You have to remember, I am an Eagles fan, and I'm not just bumping this drum because I'm an Eagles fan, because honestly, I don't really care anymore. I'm more of a football connoisseur. I just love the NFL. I already saw my Super Bowl win with the Eagles. I don't get mad if the Eagles don't win anymore. But since I'm immersed in that fan base... I get all the news. I see it all the time. I hear my friends talk about it all the time. I know about the Eagles. I've been trying to tell you that they are going to be better than a lot of you think, and they're going to surprise you. In fact, the Eagles host the San Francisco 49ers this weekend, and I don't know. I don't know. It might be one of my picks this week, and they might come away out of that game as the outright winners. But anyways, I digress. I know I'm rambling a little bit here, but you know, we're talking about the NFC East and last night's game and how we did for the fantasy rosters and all that. But let's get to the episode, the good, good, the juice. We got a jam packed episode on this lovely Friday. Once again, we got stardom, sit them. Then we'll go down into the lock it up segment where I will give you my top five picks against the spread. I'm feeling much better about this week. Last week, we had a terrible start. We went one and four. There's no hiding behind that wall at all. One and four sounds terrible on paper, but if you followed the money management advice, you should be a-okay. And then we'll wrap up the episode with the boss again. We're going to bring on the boss and he's going to give you his top three picks for week two. So let's jump right into it. Stardom, sitem. And before I get into this segment again, I mentioned this on last week's pod, but I feel like I need to recap it again real quick for anybody that's new to the show. 
You're never going to hear me in the stardom sit segment ever tell you to start one of the premier guys. You're not going to hear me tell you to start guys like Patrick Mahomes, Christian McCaffrey, Travis Kelsey, or Tyreek Hill. Any of those guys in the upper echelon, you'll never hear me recommend to start them no matter what the matchup is because you're nine times out of 10, probably 10 times out of 10, always going to start those guys. It doesn't matter if they play the Buccaneers defense, Denver Broncos defense. You are going to start Christian McCaffrey every week and you are crazy if you don't. I will, however, discuss if any of those players have tough matchups and let you make the decision if they're worth benching if you have someone else on your bench that has a more favorable matchup. These are tough decisions to make, and I will let you know if they have an extremely tough matchup. We have a few of those instances in the wide receivers. Once we get down there, you'll see. And most of these start and sits are going to be guys that you may have drafted later in the draft or have picked up off your waiver wire. These are guys that are going to be other options for you if your main starters are pegged in a bad jam like Allen Robinson was last week being blanketed by Jalen Ramsey. So let's get to it. Let's start with the quarterbacks. Here are my top starts for the week at quarterback. Number one, I have Baker Mayfield. Last week, he had 21 completions for 321 yards and zero touchdowns with one interception. So not the greatest start against the Kansas City Chiefs. But this week, Mayfield draws the Houston Texans and anyone playing the Houston Texans is a must start. Mayfield should have ample time behind the best offensive line in the game and dish the ball out appropriately. Baker's biggest knock has been his lack of athleticism once the pocket breaks down, and luckily for him, that shouldn't happen this game. The Browns should be able to run the ball without much resistance and provide Mayfield with multiple opportunities to take shots down the field. Yes, he'll be doing this without Odell Beckham, but that shouldn't worry anyone, and we already know this offense plays better without OBJ. If you find your starting quarterback has a tough matchup, Go ahead and fire up Baker this weekend. My number two start of the week is quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. Shockingly, he was graded as the fourth overall quarterback in week one by Pro Football Focus after his performance against the New York Giants in week one. He completed 28 passes for 264 yards and two touchdowns. And this week, two gloves. Teddy gets a lost Jacksonville Jaguars team. I mean, the Jags look bad out of place all of it just outright terrible and I don't know how long this Urban Meyer experiment is going to work I really didn't see the wheels falling off this fast but it doesn't look pretty I'm expecting a lot of what we saw last week from Teddy B to show up this week as they make the trip down to Duval we might even possibly see a better performance out of two gloves Teddy So again, if your starter is in a pickle, Teddy B is only rostered in 16% of Yahoo leagues, and he's a great stream for this week here in week two. All right, my number three start of the week is Mac Jones, and this one I'm not feeling too great about, but last week in his debut against the Miami Dolphins, he completed 29 passes for 281 yards and one touchdown. Not the greatest stat line, but the kid knows what he's doing. He's so confident that he even winked at a Dolphins linebacker before he snapped the ball. The kid's not rattled. It's just a matter of Bill Belichick letting him rip it. The Patriots ran the ball 30 times last week and should have won that game if not for Damian Harris fumbling the ball on the goal line, which also screwed our top five picks last week. So thank you, Damian Harris. 
But regardless, Mac Jones should still get a solid matchup versus a severely wounded Jets team. So a nice, solid, not great, but solid option here as well. Some quarterbacks to consider sitting. Number one, Derek Carr. I know he just came off a brilliant performance. If you maybe not brilliant, but he came, he came off a pretty big performance at home on Monday Night Football. But he's coming off that big emotional win against the Baltimore Ravens, the home opener in Vegas with fans for the first time, the press conference, the parties. We've seen this story a hundred times, haven't we? The big emotional win followed by the letdown. And now the Raiders travel east for the early 1 p.m. game on short rest against one of the best defenses in football. The Pittsburgh Steelers will be haunting Derek Carr all game long, creating havoc in the backfield. Now Carr does have some sneaky wheels, but I can't see that offensive line holding up against that Steelers curtain front seven for that long. I know he had a good game against the Ravens defense, and I like Carr as a safe, solid option in fantasy football for the season, but this is just a horrific spot, so keep him parked right on your bench. Number two guy to keep parked right there on the bench is Indianapolis Colts quarterback Carson Wentz. Holy shit, I am so happy I found out that Hard Knocks is doing a season-long series and the Indianapolis Colts will be featured. I want nothing to do with this Colts team anymore, and now it's time to fade them in every aspect of the game. You think regular Hard Knocks is distracting for teams in the preseason? Well, what do you think is going to happen to a team for a season-long Hard Knocks series? And it's not even just the hard knocks distractions. We all saw what the Rams are capable of last week, and that's exactly who they're going against this week. Aaron Donald and the Rams front seven. We saw what they did to Andy Dalton, and it wasn't pretty. Now picture that all over again, but possibly worse for turnover-prone Carson Wentz. I mean, this guy at this point in his career is just a bad quarterback. That 2017 MVP type season is as big as a fluke can get. Get him out of your lineups or better yet, just make the cut and send him to the waiver wire. Another sit of the week, and this one might not make that much sense, but quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, Big Ben graded out as the 37th. 37th overall quarterback last week, according to the Pro Football Focus grading system. There's only 32 teams. Now, obviously, that's factoring guys like Justin Fields and Trey Lance, who may have only thrown one or two balls. But if you take them all out, Big Ben still comes in last. And I got to say, I watched that whole Monday Night Football game, and that Raiders defensive line is looking fierce. It's looking pretty good. I always liked Gus Bradley as a defensive coordinator. He did a good job with the Seattle Seahawks Legion of Boom, the Jaguars defense the year they almost went to the Super Bowl, and just recently helped turn that Los Angeles Chargers defense around. Now he has full control of that Raiders defense, and it already looks much improved. I know Big Ben has a trio of stud receivers there on the outside, but Big Ben should be under a great deal of pressure all game long, and the guy can't move anymore. Father Time has caught up to Mr. Roethlisberger, and it's going to get much worse. We might even get to see a Mason Rudolph appearance if we're lucky. Hell, I'll even throw in a fourth quarterback to sit. We'll make this one short, and the quarterback I'm talking about is Matt 
Ryan, I told you to bench him last week against the Philadelphia Eagles, and he should be benched again against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. I know his name is Matt Ryan. I know he's a big premier quarterback. He still has the name and all that crap, but just cut the guy already. He's a shot fighter. It's over. It's done. It's time to move on if you're an Atlanta Falcon fan. And on to the running backs. Some of my favorite running backs to start. Number one is Nick Chubb slash Kareem Hunt. And obviously, you're going to start Nick Chubb. I'm not going against what I said at the top of the pod. Nick Chubb is a premier starter. You're going to start him. I get it. The guy I'm more talking about is Kareem Hunt here. So let's go ahead and fire him up for the second straight week. I gave you Kareem Hunt last week, and it paid off with a nice score against his former team, the Kansas City Chiefs. But this week, he gets the biggest mismatch I've ever seen. The Cleveland Browns offensive line versus that Houston Texans front seven. It's the mismatch of ages. And yes, Nick Chubb will benefit most from it. But Kareem Hunt will get enough of the pizza to make an impact in your lineups. Now, this game might get out of hand quickly. But I think we're looking at a 10 to 12 carries for Kareem Hunt. Possibly 65 all-purpose yards. And if you add in a score... You have yourself a nice starter right there for week two. Another favorite running back start for me in week two is running back Mark Ingram with the Houston Texans. Surprisingly, Ingram led that Texans backfield by a mile with a whopping 26 carries to Phillip Lindsay only getting eight. I don't think anybody saw this coming. But if we see this type of volume continue, then Mark Ingram becomes a must start each week. Any running back that gets 20 plus carries a game is a true bell cow. And that's all you can ask for from the running back position. I get that he'll be facing a tough Browns defense that only gave up 43 rushing yards to Clyde Edwards Hilaire last week. But Clyde Edwards Hilaire only got half the carries that Mark Ingram got. And who knows, maybe head coach David Culley will pull a switcheroo on all of us and give Philip Lindsay or Rex Burkhead more carries. But until I see it, I'm willing to fire in Mark Ingram as a solid flex option here in week two. My third and final start at running back is Ronald Jones of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What a freaking disappointment he was last week during the season opener. But I am still a believer in the Ronald McDonald Jones show. After a costly fumble last week, Bruce Arians and the team decided to bench Rojo, even though Leonard Forslop basically did the same thing a couple plays later as a pass went right through his sloppy brick hands, leading to an interception. Why didn't Fournette get benched? Why did Rojo get benched? But guess what? It doesn't matter because I still think that helped Rojo's chances for getting more playing time this week, and head coach Bruce Arians already announced him as the starter. So here we have a starter on this absolutely loaded offense, and now they face a Falcons team that got absolutely shredded on the ground by the Philadelphia Eagles last week. I mean, I expected the Falcons to be bad, but they surrendered 173 rushing yards to the Philadelphia Eagles at their home opener just a week ago. This is as tasty as it gets for the Buccaneers backfield, and I fully expect Tom Brady and company to take advantage yeah, Fournette and Gio Bernard will get a healthy rotation, but we got Rojo as the starter, and I'm sure he's rearing to have a bounce back game after that fumble. My top sits of the week at the running back are any running back from the San Francisco 49ers or New England Patriots. Elijah Moore, Trey Sermon, Jamichael Hastley. 
Damian Harris, James White, Ramondre Stevenson. We don't know who is going to get the bulk of the carry. I wouldn't feel comfortable starting any of these guys this weekend, and it's a shame because the 49ers and Patriots have one of the biggest mismatches against their counterparts this weekend. Elijah Mitchell, the number one waiver ad, had a great game, but he was their only viable option after Raheem the Dream Mostert went down with the injury. Kyle Shanahan has a week to prepare and will load the chamber with whichever running back he thinks will serve best against the Eagles. If you want to take the gamble and start one of those guys, go for it. But just remember, that's exactly what it is. It's a gamble. And the same goes for New England. Don't forget that starter Damian Harris fumbled a crucial game-winning carry when he fumbled the ball on the four-yard line at the end of the game, causing the Patriots a loss. If you think Bill Belichick will take kindly to that, you're out of your goddamn mind. And if you don't think there's a chance we see James White or Ramondre Stevenson start this week, Again, you're out of your goddamn mind. So with that, I say good luck to you, sir, and Godspeed to all of you taking the gamble. Another sit on my list is running back Josh Jacobs of the Oakland, I'm sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders. I've been warning you all summer long about Josh Jacobs, and even though he led the team in carries with only 10 and scored two touchdowns, he only finished the night with 34 rushing yards. If you started him last week, yeah, you left pretty satisfied, but you know deep down in your gut you were playing with fire and you left unscathed. Something like that is just not sustainable, and now he faces one of the best defenses in the league on the road in Pittsburgh. On top of all of that, he's banged up, and he had to sit out for a few plays last game. Kenyon Drake, for the 10th time, is the back-to-own in Las Vegas. I think he's always going to be a safe option as a flex play. Even though Drake didn't score, he still finished the night with 70 all-purpose yards against that stingy Ravens defense. Keep Josh Jacobs on your bench. It's only a matter of time before he goes down with an injury and Drake officially takes over as the starter. And my final sits of the week from the running back position are the Jacksonville Jaguars running backs, both James Robinson and Carlos Hyde. Like I mentioned earlier, the Jaguars are just a cesspool of dysfunction, and I want no part of them. And now they face the vaunted Vic Fangio Broncos defense with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller raining fire and hell on this poor offense. Last week, the Broncos held Saquon Barkley and the Giants offense to only 60 rushing yards. But guess what? 27 of those rushing yards came from the quarterback, Daniel Jones. So not good. On top of all of this, last week the Jaguars played one of the worst teams in the league against the Houston Texans and only ran the ball 14 times. Nine carries to Carlos Hyde and only five carries to James Robinson while letting their rookie quarterback throw the ball 51 times. What a joke. And the only thing that is not a joke is that Denver Broncos defense that they'll be facing, so keep these two running backs on your bench. Moving on to my top wide receivers to start this week. Number one is Allen Robinson, and this one seems obvious, but last week we sat him, and some owners may feel scared to fire him up now. Well, I'm here to say, be not afraid, my friend. I know Andy Dalton sucks, but he actually didn't look as bad as some of you might think he did against the Rams, and he should actually have some time to get that ball out to his number one playmaker in Allen Robinson this week. Robinson should be able to take care of this Bengals secondary with ease. Just absolutely toy with them. 
The stars have magically aligned for Allen Robinson, and he's within reach of having one of his biggest games of the season. I have Robinson pegged to finish as the top three wideout this week, so go ahead and fire up A-Rod, and it's okay to feel all giddy inside. My number two start of the week is Julio Jones, another one that seems obvious, but we got a major flop out of him last week, and it may cause fantasy owners some pause. Like Allen Robinson, fear not, my friends, and fire away. I don't care that Julio didn't get as many snaps as A.J. Brown. He's still Julio Jones and will still get his. As long as he's healthy, you're always going to play him, and he's coming off a down week, which only means one thing. A boom is coming, and I see a massive boom. So make sure you keep him in your lineup, and after the game, You'll see me and Julio down by the schoolyard. My third favorite start of the week at the wide receiver position is Tyler Lockett. Yes, Tyler Lockett paid off nicely for fantasy owners last week with four catches, 100 yards, and two touchdowns. And we're going to keep him right there. Don't move the tiny speedster locket because he has another tasty matchup against this very young and inexperienced Tennessee Titans secondary. I'm seeing another huge, monstrous day for Lockett, and he's one of my favorite starts of the week. Another one of my favorite starts is wide receiver Cole Beasley. Vaxed, not vaxed. Who cares? Cole Beasley was tied fifth among all wide receivers in targets with 12 in week one. And just like we talked with Mark Ingram, with that kind of volume, Cole Beasley is a must start week in and week out. He's one of Josh Allen's favorite targets, and I don't see this changing anytime soon. Although Miami has a solid defense, Beasley matches up nicely against that secondary, and he'll see most of his coverage from slot cornerback Nick Needham. That's a huge mismatch as Beasley should be able to feast and have himself another nice day against the Finns and possibly getting a touchdown here. My last and certainly not even of the least favorite starts of the week is wide receiver Mike Williams on the Chargers. Another one of my top sleepers of the year. Hey Mikey, he likes it. Mike Williams is getting exactly what I predicted and that's a huge bump in his targets. He finished the day with 12 targets, 8 catches for 82 yards, and a score. They are feeding Mikey more, and if this trend continues, we should see big things out of the fifth-year wideout. Mike Williams draws a Dallas secondary that got shredded by Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay wideouts. And like we keep saying, with that kind of volume and that kind of targets, we have to start Mike Williams week in and week out until he proves otherwise. Some of my biggest sits of the week is number one, LaVisca Chenault. If it seems like I'm picking on the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's because I am. Just an absolute horrific matchup for all the receivers on this team, but a lot of fantasy players seem to be obsessed with Chenault and his potential. He seems more of a gimmick guy than a true wideout, and I've changed my tune with Chenault as of late. But that's not the point. The point is the dysfunction within the Jaguars organization, and now they're going against a world-class defense. No thank you. Send them to the bench. My number two sit of the week at the wide receiver position are all of the Indianapolis Colts wide receivers. Yes, all of them. 
keep all of them on the bench. I'm talking Michael Pittman. I'm talking Paris Campbell. I'm talking Zach Pascal, T.Y. Hilton. Every single one of them, cement them on the bench and don't budge one iota. Like we just discussed with the Denver Broncos, the Rams defense is no joke and I have no faith in quarterback Carson Wentz getting these guys the ball. Jalen Ramsey basically gets a bye week here as he'll blanket the Colts' best wide receiver at the moment, Zach Paschal. The other corners on this team are no cupcakes either. I just see bad things for the Colts this weekend in pass protection with Aaron Donald causing issues up front for Wentz, which leads to mistakes, coverage issues all over the field for these receivers. Just don't do it. You've been warned. Another sit of the week, and you guys are not going to like this. The wide receiver I'm talking about is Calvin Ridley on the Atlanta Falcons. Here we go, and who's going to get mad at me first? Look, all I know is that the strength of the Philadelphia Eagles defense is certainly not in the secondary, and that secondary held Calvin Ridley to only 51 yards, with most of that coming from the first drive of the game. It was because the Eagles were able to get pressure on Matt Ryan, making life easier for those backs. If the Falcons couldn't handle the Eagles, how do you think they're going to handle the Tampa front seven, who happens to blitz 45% more than the Philadelphia Eagles? I'm extremely worried about Calvin Ridley, not just for this game, but for the endurance of the season. The Falcons offensive line is not good at all, and Matt Ryan is a shot fighter with a noodle arm. Do you have Calvin Ridley on your team? Because you need to start sending out trade offers while you still can. While he still has that premium value, it's only going to get worse. And you have been officially warned. Another wide receiver or two wide receivers that you're also not going to like is Pittsburgh wide receiver Deontay Johnson and Pittsburgh wide receiver Chase Claypool. I recommend it benching these two last week and I'm doing it again. Deontay Johnson ended up getting a score, but if not for that, he would have left your team with a measly 36 receiving yards. The good news though is that Deontay Johnson is getting the volume as he saw 10 targets from Big Ben, but Big Ben is going to have a much much harder time getting the ball out to the outside this week against that Raiders front seven. The safe and better play, if you're going to play any of these receivers, is Juju Smith-Schuster because he comes out of that slot. I keep telling all the Claypool truthers that he's the fourth option on this team and nobody wants to pay attention. Nobody wants to accept it. I know he looks the part. He's big. He's physical. He has the true alpha number one type body. But as of right now, they're not using him that way. And that's the stone cold hard truth that you all need to face. He was third in targets with only five, five last week. I think it's going to be a long day for both the Steelers and the Raiders on offense. And we won't see much scoring. So keep Claypool and Deontay Johnson on your bench for this one. And my last bench of the week with the wide receivers is Christian Kirk. And I feel it's important to talk about this because of the game he just had. Christian Kirk the jerk. Huh? But, 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 he, he crushed it, man. He just crushed it. He had five catches for 70 yards and two touchdowns. I know, I know, I get it. But this is exactly what Kirk does every year. We see this from time to time. He goes off here. He goes off there. We all get excited. Add the guy. And what comes next? What comes next? Nothing. 
Nothing. And it happens every single year. Look, this is Christian Kirk's fourth year in the league, and he is what he is at this point. If the team had so much faith in Kirk, they wouldn't have gone out and signed wide receiver A.J. Green and then drafted rookie wide receiver Rondell Moore with early draft capital. On top of all of this, he'll be covered by underrated cornerback Mackenzie Alexander on the Minnesota Vikings, so keep Christian Kirk on your bench and you'll thank me later. All right, we got a lot to get through on this pod, so I'm just going to blow past these tight ends. I got three starters for you this weekend. My number one start at tight end is CJ Uzuma with the Cincinnati Bengals. Number two, Gerald Everett with the Seattle Seahawks. And number three, Eric Ebron with the Pittsburgh Steelers. My top three sits at tight end are Adam Troutman with the New Orleans Saints. Any Indianapolis Colts tight end you can keep on the bench. And my last tight end to sit on your bench is Anthony Ferkser with the Tennessee Titans. And now it's time for the picks. It's time for those picks. This is the fun part. This is the exciting part. Everybody get excited because last week we got off to a rough start so we can only go up from here. We started 1-0. and Just a quick recap. The Washington football team minus one, loser. The New York Jets plus four and a half, loser. The New York Jets Carolina Panthers over the total of 44, loser. And the New England Patriots minus three, Lahu Zahir. But not all was grim. Not all was grim. We came out with one winner, and that was the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday Night Football at plus four and a half. Cha-ching! Hey, one win is better than no wins. And to be honest with you, I think we had two bad beats with Ryan Fitzpatrick exiting the game early, and then in the New England game, running back Damian Harris with that late fumble on the goal. You know, those could have been two winners, but so goes the game. You know, we don't live in the woulda, coulda, shoulda world now, do we? And again, as I continue to discuss on this pod, we have to take it easy out of the gates here during this first month of NFL action. Let's let the data roll in. Let the smoke and dust settle. Money management is always key. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And although the one in four start looks bad on paper, if you followed the money management advice, you should be just fine. You should be fine. You should actually find some happiness that you weren't completely obliterated like, you know, some people tend to go. It's hard. In week one, everyone's excited and and ready to just, you know, go balls to the walls with everything. But you got to reel it in. And the same logic applies here for this week's picks. And we'll probably take it easy through the first four weeks, fellas. But I got to say, I do like my picks a lot more this week. I'm feeling a winning week for sure. So with that... The time has come. Let's lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Welcome to our brand new segment called Lock It Up. And if you're in the betting market, this segment is for you and you won't want to miss it. I'll be giving you my top five picks for the week against the spread. And I'll also be posting all of my picks to my Twitter account at the Talking Sunday handle where you can follow all along, all season long. So with that, let's get to my top five picks for week two. Number one and my best bet of the week. I love this total. The Las Vegas Raiders versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. The total of 47 points. We're taking the under. 
we all know how this one goes. A big emotional win for the Raiders against a stingy Baltimore Ravens team on Monday Night Football in front of their fans in Vegas for the first time. The dramatics, the flair, the we won the game, but wait a second, we didn't win the game. On the goal line, can't punch it in, turn the ball over, and still find a way to win the game? The crowd goes nuts. The coach is praising in the pressure. The quarterback looks like a kid in Disneyland that doesn't know which ride to go on next. Oh my God, the Raiders. Pump the brakes. Let's all take a deep breath and pump the brakes. Don't get me wrong, I actually like this Raiders team. I like what I saw from the defense, but the offense is still a mess under John Gruden. Sure, they pulled out that win, but how many mistakes were made along the way? How many offside penalties were made during that game? That's all on the head coach. That is all on John Gruden. And now they travel across the country for an early 1 p.m. game on the East Coast off short rest from the Monday Night Football game, and they have to play the Pittsburgh Steelers and that defense? Yeah, not good. I don't see much scoring in this game as the Raiders should continue to bumble around on offense. And like I said, I actually like this Raiders defense. Ben Roethlisberger was graded dead last for his performance in week one against the Buffalo Bills, according to Pro Football Focus's grading system. Take that for what it is, but Big Ben is getting up there in age, and we all saw his play last season. It wasn't that great, especially down the stretch. I absolutely love this under of 47 points. That's about 12 points per quarter to bust, and I see that holding up in a close, ugly, and sloppy game. It's hard to take unders, but I think we got ourselves a winner here. My second lock of the week is the Philadelphia Eagles plus three. You knew it was coming. Call me a homer, but there is something magical brewing across the Philly skyline. There's something about this team. I felt it during the training camps and I can still feel it in the air. The players are buying into rookie head coach Nick Sirianni and they're buying into Jalen Hurts that just exuberates positivity and energy. I understand the Eagles only beat the lowly Atlanta Falcons in week one, but they took care of them like they were nothing, winning the game 33-6. Remember, good teams blow out bad teams and now they welcome in the San Francisco 49ers for their home opener at Lincoln Financial Field. And I know Philly fans will certainly have that stadium rocking. As long as Jimmy G is still the starting quarterback for San Francisco, I'll never buy into that team 100%. Sure, they're going to be good, but they are dealing with a cluster of injuries throughout the team, especially at cornerback. Running back Raheem Mostert will be out. Armstead and D. Ford are both questionable along that defensive line. Jason Verrett is on the IR, and the two starting cornerbacks are Emmanuel Mosley and someone named Demendor Lenore. Huh? I love the Eagles here to cover the three and even run away with this one outright. You heard it first here, folks. As the Eagles start their season with a spiffy 2-0 record to take a commanding lead in the NFC East. Fly, Eagles, fly on the road to victory. Fight, fight, fight. Go, Birds. My third pick of the week, and if you've been listening to this podcast, you knew this one was coming too. The Denver Broncos minus six. 
I've already discussed everything there is to say about this game early on. The Jacksonville Jaguars are nothing more than an incest pool of dysfunction, and it's not changing anytime soon. Look, Urban Meyer might figure it out, but it's week two in the NFL, and with rookie head coaches usually comes an adjustment period. The college game is a lot different than the pro game. Sorry, Urban, but you no longer get all the best prospects in the league. You no longer get a cheat code superstar team that's just simply more athletic than your opponents. Time to put your big boy pants on and actually scheme yourself to wins. So yes, he may figure it out, but not here, not in this spot. It's week two. The Denver Broncos have an elite defense that should eat Trevor Lawrence alive. I'm sorry, but the kid looks scared. He has no fire. He doesn't look interested. He's never faced adversity like this before, and I really don't think he knows how to handle the situation. I think things can get ugly real quick in this one, and quarterback Teddy Bridgewater graded as the fourth best quarterback among all quarterbacks in week one according to Pro Football Focus's grading system. That's better than Justin Herbert, better than Patrick Mahomes, and better than Russell Wilson. Take it for what it is, but I don't see Jacksonville slowing down Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams in the run game as TGT, that's two gloves Teddy, manages the game perfectly. Because the best thing about TGT, he doesn't turn the ball over. And as six point favorites on the road for the Denver Broncos, that might seem a little crazy, but this isn't your same Denver Broncos that you're used to. Take the buck and Broncos and lay the six. My fourth pick of the week, and I love this one as well, is the Seattle Seahawks minus the six. This one was a late ad for me, and the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. I know that it's only been one week of football, but there is something fundamentally wrong with the Tennessee Titans. I don't know if it's the loss of offensive coordinator Offensive Smith or what, but the offense looked awful against the Arizona Cardinals last week, Ryan Tannehill was the most pressured quarterback with seven among all quarterbacks in the league. Now, I know the Cardinals added J.J. Watt, but that defense is no powerhouse. The Titans offensive line was just an absolute revolving door, and now they head to Seattle in that loud stadium for the Hawks home opener in front of the 12th man. On top of all of this, Tennessee has a young and inexperienced secondary at a time when the Seattle Seahawks are historically come out and firing on all cylinders early on in the season. The look-ahead line for this game was Seattle minus three and a half and has worked its way all the way up to six. And what exactly has changed in the last week? Nothing. This one might be a blowout with Russell Wilson and those Seattle receivers having a field day out there in the Emerald City. Don't think, let Russ cook, and go Hawks. And my final pick of the week is the Los Angeles Chargers minus three. And before anyone says, here goes the Eagles fan, this has nothing to do with my NFC East biasness. So zip it. The fact is, I was really impressed with what I saw from this Chargers team, and I think they may have a bit of magic on their side as well. Justin Herbert was the least pressured quarterback among all quarterbacks in week one, and they squared off against one of the best defensive lines in the league with Chase Young and the Washington football team hunting for their heads. The least pressured. Justin Herbert was the least pressured in the league. How? I'll tell you how. 
good coaching, and a much improved offensive line. This Chargers team might be the real deal because Justin Herbert, who a lot of people pegged for regression, showed absolutely zero signs of regression at all. In fact, he was graded as the fifth best quarterback among all quarterbacks in week one, and again, he went against one of the best defenses. So now the Chargers head home to SoFi Stadium and welcome in the Dallas Cowboys, who everyone thinks played well, but just got outplayed by the Tampa Bay Bucks, the Super Bowl champions. Well, 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 isn't that a nice little story? And I gotta be honest, I was shocked when I saw this Chargers line favored by three here because I thought the same thing about the Cowboys. They were just unfortunate to play the Super Bowl champs in week one, but this line right here is speaking to me and it should be speaking to you. There are some things that I'm a little concerned about with Dallas. They're coming off 10 day rest because they haven't played since the last Thursday night game and more rest means more time to heal and more time to prepare. But luckily, that doesn't mean much for the Cowboys because head coach Mike McCarthy is a stunad. He's a goof, He's a he, he doesn't know what he's doing. My only other concern in this game is the Chargers home field advantage because I lived in LA for about nine years and I can tell you from experience, the Chargers really don't have fans. That stadium is going to be filled with Cowboys fans because remember, the Cowboys host their training camp out in Oxnard, California, which is only about two hours tops from LA. And Vegas knows all of this. And they're still giving us the Chargers minus three. I've seen it go up to even three and a half at some places. They know what they're doing. This is the biggest lore set and trap if I've ever seen one. So I know it might seem hard, but hop on board and sing it with me. San Diego Superchargers. All right, those are my top five picks for the weekend. And like I said, I'm feeling much, much better about these picks than last weekend. We got one full week under our belts, and now is the time to take advantage of those overreactions from the general public. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident. But again, money management is key. So take it easy during this first month of September. And now the moment you've all been waiting for. All right, we welcome back my next guest. We got off to a bit of a rocky start here in week one. But again, he is as good as they come in this business and has been doing this for a long, long time. He's been picking winners since the mid-1970s. So again, that is years and years of experience that we are going to trust. But we warned you last week that these first couple of weeks here could be a little tricky. And this is no shocker to me. It is why we talked about money management. It's why we talked about the steady Eddie here in the week one. It's why I hit home on that it is a marathon and not a sprint. So I am not worried and neither should you be. We still pay respect to this man, the boss, Nikki Bada Bing. Welcome back for week two. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate that intro. And, um, you know, yeah. Uh, my wisdom wasn't very wise uh, last week. Sorry about that, <laughs> followers. But, uh, you know, we did, for, as Anthony said, we forewarn you of the early weeks of NFL. Um, anything can happen. Uh, and week one was, uh, bore that out. You know, we suffered some real, hopefully I used up all my bad beats for the year. 
with, uh, you know, with uh, Tennessee over, you know, here we are, we're going into the fourth quarter. I need a field goal and get nothing in the fourth quarter uh, except a missed field goal. Uh, stopping that from being an over. You got, uh, you know, Wash losing their quarterback in the second quarter uh, and, and, and yet still had a shot to win the game. So another bad beat there. And then, of course, the real bad beat of New England fumbling inside the five-yard line as they're going in for the cover score. So absolutely brutal it's just and in new england you know how you know strict and uh you know disciplined that belichick has this team and his number one back the bell cow damian harris fumbles that ball at the end there i mean <clears throat> we should have at least got that one and look my picks went one and four too i had washington and new england in there so you know we are both on the same page there but here's the thing it was just one of those days everything that could go wrong did and like we discussed on last week's show, again, that these days are going to happen. It just sucks that it happened in week one. Which is when it's most likely to happen because week one, weeks one and two are so difficult uh, because of all the offseason moves. And, um, you know, I still learned something uh, even throughout all those beatings. I, I didn't realize how important when an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator leaves a team for whatever reason, and that new guy comes in, uh, the one that bore this out for me is the Tennessee. Um, author author uh, Smith. Yeah, he left uh, He left Indy. No, he left Tennessee no. and went to Atlanta. Okay, that, that, that loss of that offensive coordinator for Tennessee had a significant impact on them. Um, it sure and, looked. And, it sure looked like it, and they couldn't block up front either. I mean, Tannehill. I think he was the most sacked with uh, seven. I think. I think it was seven, but I, I know he was the most sacked quarterback for that weekend. Yeah. So just 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 another little example of you know how you still teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, that offensive coordinator thing, um, you know, uh, turned out to be um, an important fact. Uh, for Tennessee, but uh, but but anyway, um, I digress uh, and apologize for that. Um, no, no worries. Listen, listen. We talked about the money management; it's key. I took it easy, and I hope everybody else did on the unit play yeah. here. Right? It looks bad on paper, but I'm actually happy where my account is currently sitting. I'm good. I played it safe. I'm sticking to our you know our fundamentals here. So, but but anyway. Yeah. Let's get to the picks. You know, it's only week two yeah. here. And I know you just said weeks one and two are probably the most hardest, but I'm actually excited for week two because I think if you really know your stuff, you can bank a lot of winners based off the general public's overreaction from week one, right? Correct. Right. Okay. No. So before we get to the picks, let me just remind the listeners real quick once again. What I want the boss to do here is give the audience his top three picks for the weekend. It could be against the spread, total, money line, parlay, teaser, whatever he chooses. His best three picks, but we're going to go in reverse order, meaning that his weakest play at three will start there, and then we'll finish with his best bet of the weekend at the end with number one. So with that, let's get down to the business. Take a ride, scan the board, and whack the book in week two. I mean, we got to get some of this money back, so boss man. What's our first winner here at pick number three? I'm going to believe in New Orleans at minus three uh, versus Caro. Um, Caro did not impress me at all last week against the lowly Jets. Um, New Orleans 
significantly impressed me. Sean Payton has done a tremendous job coaching that team, and their defense, I didn't realize, was as strong as they are. So going to Carolina, the line moved from uh, opened at a pick. It's up to New Orleans minus the three. I'm all over New Orleans minus three as my third best pick for this upcoming weekend. Okay, does the absence of their top corner, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, scare you at all? I think he's doubtful for this game. Uh, not at all. Their offense is going to steamroll them, um, and defense isn't going to be a factor. Okay. I, I, I like that. Um, on the road for the second straight week, too, uh, because that game was relocated to Jacksonville. But, yes, very impressive last week. Jameis Winston threw for five touchdowns. I didn't expect that at all, actually. I, I do like Jameis Winston this a lot this year, but for five touchdowns, you know, he, he's the front runner right now, which is absolutely crazy. Um, and he only threw the ball like 20 times. Well, that was the thing. I did a little bit digging, uh, a little more digging in that stat. His his passing yards weren't even over 200 passing yards. Right. So yeah. they're they're really running running the rock a lot down there. I think they ran the ball about 31 or 33 times. Um, but yeah, I mean they they look strong. So on I board, think he, Peyton's going to open up the playbook this weekend. Coming off of what he saw, Winston could do did last week, and it's going to be bombs away. I hope so, because I think even though Carolina got out to that that early lead, they stalled a bit in that second half. It seems like they started to figure out what they were doing. It was against the Jets. Yeah, but the, <laughs> but Zach Wilson, really, he, he was a different quarterback that second half. It's against the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> and they were at home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sorry. Um, I'm no, on, I'm, listen. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on Narland at minus the three, pumping it. Listen, I'm with you. I'm still against Sam Darnold. I, I can't stand that guy. I didn't even think he was a good quarterback with the Trojans in college. So let's roll with the Saints minus three. I like it. All right. And what is our second lock of the week here? Your second best bet. Second best, huh? Um, I struggled with uh, determining which was going to be the best out of these next two that I'm going to give. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> so this pick is uh, the second pick, but it might be a 1A because I'm going Pitt minus the five and a half against the Raiders. I love that pick. I'm, I'm invoking some old style theories, meaning got to be a huge letdown for the Raiders, man. Coming off the Monday night overtime win against Baltimore, the first game at that new stadium with fans. Now having to travel from west to east, um, Pitt with that, they look like they're back to the old Pitt Iron Curtain defense and run the ball. Mm -hmm. Then at 39, maybe can't throw it as well anymore. But their defense at home against the Raiders, traveling from the east, coming off the big emotional win, I got to go. I got to get on pit. I'm on pit. All over pit. At home. That five and a half line, that's always a tricky line. Five and a half to, to me means Vegas don't know what the hell to do with that game. I'm going with the home team. Give me the Steelers minus the five and a half all day long. All the way up through Sunday. Now that game, that game did make its way up to six. I think last night I saw it at six. It came back down to five and a half. 
I absolutely love this game. I completely agree. I was going to say, you know, if you didn't bring this up, I love the old school mentality here. After that big emotional, the, it's not only an emotional win because they beat the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football, the way they won that game. They thought they won it in overtime and then with the uh, with the goal line touchdown and then turned the ball over, uh -huh. got the ball back, and then won the game in dramatic style. You know, the way these guys are talking in their press conference, Gruden, Derek Carr, you know, they're just – I bet these guys probably didn't even sleep for two days. Right. On top of that, they're going east east for the early game, like you said, and it's they're on short rest to begin with because of the Monday Night Football game, so they're already a day behind. Yep. So all of yep. that, they have a terrible pass blocking advantage. Run. They have a terrible run blocking advantage. None of these receivers really – I know people are, are hype on Brian Edwards right now for the Raiders, but none of these guys scare that Steelers defense. So – I'm with you. I think, you know, the Steelers are home, home opener, right? Because they were just on the road to, with Buffalo, or were they at home yep. versus Buffalo? No, no, they were in Buff. Right, so, so home um, opener, home opener. Yep. I also kind of like the under in this game. I don't know if you want to touch on that real quick. The under is 47, because I, I did think that, that Raiders defense looked pretty solid up front with Gus Bradley being the new defensive coordinator. So I, that 47 seems a little high for both of these teams. So I, I'm kind of leaning that way as well. Well, as I said last week, that's ball betting under in any game is ballsy in the NFL <laughs> these days. Okay, but yes, that game would be a candidate uh, more likely an under than an over, in my humble opinion, because of the Steeler D and the fact that it's going to be defense and running game, and I don't expect the Raiders to uh, offensively explode again. Uh, like they did versus Baltimore uh, with Carr uh, opening things up. So uh, I expect much more running and defense in this game, with, in this matchup. Right, and I see this game, if anything, Pittsburgh, like, blowing them out. Like, like as reflective on the spread here, I see, like, Pittsburgh maybe winning a game 31 to, you know, 7 or something like that. So, yeah. Okay. All right, so we have the New Orleans Saints minus three, the Pittsburgh Steelers minus five and a half, and finally the best bet, the lock of the week from the boss. And again, I'm riding with you on this one because I'm taking action on all your best bets this year. So what are we looking at for this week? Well, I appreciate your support. And, um, you know, listen, Jacksonville's bad. Yeah. <laughs> they are bad. <laughs> there, there. You know they're going to be a play against all year long. So uh -huh. I, I got I got to go Denver minus the six, which has skyrocketed from opening at two and a half uh, up to a six now. Uh, doesn't scare me. Jack is very likely to be. It could be a shutout. Yeah, it could be a shutout. Um, at best, maybe two field goals by Jack. Okay. Um, you know. This is another one where you, you could look at the under, um, which has uh, tickled up to 45 and a half. Uh, however, like I said, it's more about going against Jack. They're just bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that they could beat a college team. Alabama, the final four could probably beat this team. I don't know. We, we we go through this argument every single year, but I don't think any pro team would lose to the best college team ever. But I do agree with you that they they don't they just look lost. Like they they're, don't. They're, yeah. 
Like I thought, I thought for sure with uh, the ETN going down for the year that they would feed James Robinson because of what he did last year. I think they only ran the ball like nine times on on yeah. Sunday. Like I, I don't know what they're doing. Trevor they Lawrence. They don't have an offensive line. They, they yeah. can't protect. They can't protect Trevor. They can't run the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Urban Meyer is being out coached. Um, you know. There's there's scuttlebutt coming out of the locker room that you know it's 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 on a borderline there. He may have already lost the locker room. Yeah, I think I saw uh, some report that uh, if the if the USC uh, yeah USC job opened up, would Urban Meyer take the job? They asked him that already, and he said absolutely yeah. not. But we've seen this before the the college. I think Saban left in midseason for Alabama, so. Right. It might happen, but uh, I, I do like Denver a lot. Like la- last week against the Giants, I think the Broncos, I think they ran it down the Giants' throat for over like 160-some yards last week. This so is who Denver's going to be. They're going to be defense and run. And That's run, what yeah. Denver's going to do. Pound the They're rock. They're going to manage the clock, and they are going to smother you and run the ball. Yeah, and that the and, rest of their defense. And their defense, they finally have those two pass rushers healthy. Von Miller looked like a, a playing with his head on fire. And then <laughs> uh Nick Chubb now, you know, those two I don't think they I think they I mean they played a game or two together or whatever, but like they keep they kept rotating season ending injuries yeah. for the last couple of years. Now they're both finally he- healthy and I love that head coach in Denver from a defensive standpoint at least with Vic Fangio. He's always had just absolutely loaded stack defenses and that's exactly what we're seeing out of denver love the pick at minus six i'll be i'll be laying that but real quick question about that too the fact that it opened up at denver minus two and a half does that scare you at all because that's like what we were talking about last week that the line is talking to you sometimes right it does not scare me at all (laughs) that does not scare me in any way shape or form Okay. okay now what scares me when looking at lines for me what scares me is any pro team getting a touchdown or more that's that's when i get a little trepidation okay so however that's why i love teasers (laughs) yeah i'm surprised you didn't throw us out a teaser or a uh total play this week either well you know i i you know I can supplement those three with uh, some thoughts on that. Uh, not officially, but, um, you know, I gave you my three. Those are my three. That's what I'm sticking with. However, um, if it's okay with you, I, I, I wouldn't mind sharing a few other little tidbits. Go for it. I love it. So, um, how, how do you resist Dallas over to 55? Um, that's gone up from 50 to 55. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Charger at the Charger, um, when Dak has played the last ten games, the over is eight and two in Dallas games. Wow, they're going to be another one. They're going to be throwing the ball all over the place, mm-hmm. uh, along with uh, Herbert um, for for the Chargers, who I thought last week against against Wash, you know, surprised me. I, I wasn't expecting that from the kid. Yeah, they look good. Um, they look strong. So I, I like the over there. Um, um, you know, another one that I'm using the emotional letdown Cincinnati coming off the OT win. Okay. What and the, then traveling the shy. The Cincinnati plus one? Uh, or Chicago? No, aren't they, no, I'm going against Cincinnati. So 
I'm saying Chai as a home dog on the money line to win outright. Okay, that's that's one of my picks this week as well. You know, and again, it's more about against Cincinnati than it is with Shy. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati coming off that huge overtime win the way they won. Cincinnati coming off the huge overtime win, emotional, yes, and then also Chicago just getting, you know, the rocks, you know, they just got the shit beat out of them, and nobody is talking about Chicago. Nobody wants any piece of Chicago. And the fact that they're, you know, basically a, a pick at home right now, that's that line is speaking to you. Yeah. So, um, I, for you trend players, uh, those who follow trends, you got Arizona over Mini. Mini is 0-8 against the spread in their last eight games. Yeah. So, I'm not a big trend guy, but I know there's people out there that like that stuff, so I'm throwing out that trend. So that's another one of my favorite bets this week. Um, you got a couple things working against them. Minnesota back-to-back road games as well. And right. then Kirk Cousins playing outside of that 1 p.m. slot. He's playing that 4 p.m. game, which he actually does worse than in primetime games. And it's on the road in Arizona in the Dome. And Arizona's got some momentum now. I know it's only week two, but they, they looked real solid on both sides of the ball. So yeah. I love that pick as well. And like you said, Kirk Cousins. Don't matter what time of day he's playing, he stinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think Viking fans are, uh, you know, they've reached the yeah, limit. Yeah, that's enough to him. Yeah, he reached the go. limit with that. Yeah, Joe. And if I could, I, I got you know, you know, one more little tidbit. Um, who I'm going to be playing? Um, and again, it's week two. Thank God, <laughs> thank God, it took my own advice last week and you know went light mm-hmm. on week one. Same thing, players. Week two, take it easy. Mm-hmm. Take it take easy. Take it easy, okay? <laughs> um, and but but the Rams, uh, they look tough. Stafford, um, Rams look like, and to go to Indy against. Ugh. Listen, you know, <laughs> I got, I, I got, I got, I got to admit to your, I got to admit to your podcasters, I'm a Philly boy. Uh huh. Okay? I know where you're going I'm a with Philly this. Philly boy, I long suffering Philadelphia fan. Eagles, Phillies, Flyers, Sixers. I'm a homer, mm-hmm. okay? And I'm never going to give give out the Eagles game, okay? It's one of them karma omen things for me, mm-hmm. all right? Um, it's a but, shame you didn't give them out last week. I ended up taking them right before I went into the game. Yeah, so, and you know, you know how I am with home dogs. Yeah, they, they bark all the time. I love them home dogs. Take that for what what it's worth, people, and and, and you know, but again, that's really my heart. wait. You're saying go indie? No, 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 no. I switch gears on you. I love Ram. I'm saying Ram. Oh, okay? you're saying Eagles home dog? Yeah, I switched gears on you. I quit. I, I just briefly touched the Rams. I thought strong. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were. I thought what you were doing was alluding to the Carson Wentz factor against the Rams being with the Eagles in the past. Uh, there's a little bit of that in there. Because he, he stinks. You know he stinks. He was up to his same old shit last week with trying to duck and not getting rid of the ball. And it's yeah. the same old Wentz. Yeah. You know, I went and bought that jersey, and I'm thinking about ripping one of them ones off off the 11 and making it a number one jersey for Jalen Hurts. There you go. Hurts <laughs> look good. Hurts look good. Joe. So, but, um, you know, 
I digress. Sorry about that, fan. No. Um, Listen, and you it's, know, it's... I hate giving out three favorites as my picks. You know, I, 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 I really wanted to throw a home doggy in there, but you know, I need to make the comeback this week, coming off of last week's debacle. Again, yeah. take it easy, people. Go slow. Um, <laughs> Pump the brakes. All right, and, you know, watch out for these big double-digit favorites. You know, you got to tease them down. Yeah. You know, you got to tease them down, uh, you know, and that 12-and-a-half line, sometimes that wins outright. Absolutely. So. All right, so, again, just to recap, the official three, that is the New Orleans Saints minus three, the Pittsburgh Steelers minus five-and-a-half, which I absolutely love. And the Denver Broncos as a 1A to the Pittsburgh Steelers 1B at the minus six there. <laughs> so, uh, you know, like I said, I, I like all these picks that on paper, they all make sense logically. But, you know, hopefully the ball bounces our way a bit this week. It, it bounced the wrong way all day last week. Uh, you know, we need a little more luck here. So, and we got to we gotta get this, this train back on the tracks. Shovel the coal into the burner. Full steam ahead. Scared money, don't make money. And if you're scared, get the F off the tracks. Okay. Right. <laughs> I like that logic. So, All right. Uh, it's only week two, people. Stay even keel. Steady. It's okay. Steady Eddie. All right. Well, hey, thanks for coming on again, boss man. And, uh, you know, giving us the goods, informing the listeners with all this, you know, great information and knowledge. We appreciate the extra picks as well. You know, some, maybe, maybe the, some listeners won't like those three picks, but it's thinking about some of the other games you hit on. So appreciate it all. And, uh, we'll, you know, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Appreciate the opportunity and, um, hang in there, folks. We're going to get there. Uh, we, we will definitely get there. I'm not worried about it. All right. Talk to you later. Aunt. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you. Well, that's our show for today. Make sure you review your fantasy lineups before kickoff. Don't get Zach Moss or Brandon Ayukt, meaning don't leave them in your lineup when they're healthy scratches. If you find yourself in any of those situations, make sure you go back through my stardom sit segment because a lot of those guys might still be available off the waiver wire. We hit on a lot of the stardom sit last week, and I feel good about those as well as my top five picks. The boss man's top three picks also sound good, plus the extras he threw in there. All great info, and as usual, thank you for tuning in. Everyone have a great weekend. Go enjoy your week two, and go get yourself that fantasy dub this weekend, and let's cash those effing tickets, baby. All right, we'll see you on Monday.